okay, you are small, absolutely, but you are not insignificant. In fact, you are you are necessary. Hello and welcome to the Life Outside the Lines podcast, where together we explore fresh perspectives on life, work, relationships, and social change, inspiring your personal and collective rebellion and vibrant life outside the lines. I'm your host, Tamson Wiley. Now, let's dive in. Joining me on the show today is Andrea Renee. Andrea Renee is the founder and director of Whole Self Liberation, a platform and organization dedicated to creating resources and programming to support people as they heal, grow, get free, and lead. As a trailblazer in the personal development industry, over the last five years, she has worked with hundreds of mission-driven people looking to use their gifts, skills, and resources to make an impact in the world. Andrea is the host of a podcast titled A Call to Serve, the author of a poetry chapbook titled Love and Manifesting, a collection of poems and prompts for those seeking love and justice, and she's also a singer-songwriter. And that's what really keeps her going when the world is a bit too heavy to hold. Now, here's Andrea. Hi, Andrea, and welcome to the Life Outside the Lines podcast. I'm super excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for this conversation to get into it. There's so much that I would love to speak to you about today. You're someone with a lot of strings in your bow. Um, and I would really love to delve into all of them. But today we're going to focus mainly on your views on change, personal change and collective change, what that means, how it happens, why it's important right now, and what our listeners can be doing or how they can be being if they want to create and embody personal and collective change that's accessible to everyone. So in short, how to change the world. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Just a small topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so down for it. I'm I'm excited to to dive in. There's so many different pieces and and facets to changing the world. And I can dive into them if that's what you Absolutely. want. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I do want that. So how about you start by sharing what does it take to change the world? Oh, okay. <laughs> I love I love the big questions. I love um, <laughs> because you know I think I yeah I can start answering my question with this where I think so many of us get caught up in binaries where there's like a right and a wrong, there's a good and a bad, and. Uh, there's in in these binaries, there's very little, I would say little to no <laughs> space for humanity, for for us to be all of it, for us to be right and wrong <laughs> and good and bad. Um, and 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 everything in between. and and so one of the things I love to do is is get into these big questions because there's the spaciousness where, I will have one answer around what it takes to change the world for me personally, and somebody else will have a completely different answer about how they're going to go about changing the world. And beautiful, <laughs> that's 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 the world I want. I want I want a world where like we get to have our different ways of being and and going after the lives and world that we want. Um, so, and that's, that's what I support folks in doing is figuring out their own way. And so my answers, <laughs> my answers to possibly a lot of the questions that you may ask or that things that we might get into in this interview um, tend to be like pretty open <laughs> and kind of like, well, what do you want to do? Um and so there's this this more general view that I have around like what it takes to change the world that really looks at uh, the the individual <laughs> in front of me, the individual, the person, who, whoever you are listening to this. Who are you? 
what do you want from life? What kind of world do you want to live in? What dreams and visions do you have for what's possible in the world or what's possible in your communities, in your family, <laughs> um, what's possible in your life? What what are you holding? And and then what are your your gifts and your skills and your talents that that you have that you can use to create all of these beautiful things that you're holding inside of you. And I think one very important thing that it takes that I think often gets missed when we're talking about changing the world is doing this work of understanding yourself and deciding and, and naming this is this is the world that I want. This is the vision that I um, that I have for the future or for um, this planet or for this community. And, and this is what I'm going to contribute towards making that happen. Like that's a necessary piece where often when we're talking about changing the world, like <laughs> many other people may immediately answer, well, we need to change these systems. We need to change how we, we do things in, in this area of the world or how we relate um, to, to each other in, in these institutions and we have to change the culture. And all of those things are true, absolutely. But where I come from in this, this space of changing the world is recognizing that the systems and cultures and institutions that we're wanting to change are held up by the people. They're made by people <laughs> and and uh, held up and dismantled and transformed by people. And so it's the person that we really have to look at. It's it's you. It's uh, the, the people that make up a certain culture or that are directly connected to a certain institution or system that we've got to look at where that's where the transformation happens or that's where the dismantling happens or that's where the creation happens is in the person and through the person so i i think and i could i could just keep going and going <laughs> but just thinking about what it takes to change the world it starts there it starts with looking at the individual and and going, okay, what do I want? What do I want to create in the world? What do I, what kind of world do I want to create? And and from there go, okay, what now? With with who I am and what I have available to me, what can I do to start creating that? And then there comes in like relating to other people around it and, and gathering together because it's not a solo mission. It's not a, an individual project changing the world. None of us can change the world alone. Absolutely not. Though we may feel like it, even subconsciously, we may feel like the world is on our shoulders. It's not. <laughs> um, the, the world is, is made up of or what we experience in the world is made up of the decisions that each of us are individually making, which means that any change that happens on a collective level that's sustainable can only be held up by the collective. So it's not all on you, but you are very important. So um, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> you said a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, there's so much good stuff to unpack there. And I wanted to touch on going right back to what you said at the beginning actually about the importance or um, the value you place on not being in a binary state, so good, bad, mm -hmm. you know. Why, why do you think that's so important in changing the world to move, to move away from those fixed views of being either or? Yeah. I think it's – so it's important for me – um, because what a part of what I'm going after with my work, with my words, with my life is like being able to be fully human. 
and 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 also regarding fully the humanity of other people, regardless of what they've done, what they're saying, who they're being, regarding their humanity. And so the binaries get in the way of that um, because we have all these different ideas. If we're going with, let's say, the the right-wrong binary, mm. what I feel is right is completely different from what you feel is right. <laughs> we might have some similarities. We might have some overlap. But what it what it looks like in practice, what like what our theories are, our reasoning is behind why something is right and right why something is wrong, maybe completely different. And okay, um, with that, the I think many of us will will get caught up in the right wrong binary, trying to do the right thing or make sure that we don't do something wrong or we don't make a mistake. But that's often completely externally oriented where we're trying to assess like what do the people around us or the people that are most important to us think are is right or wrong? And how can we make sure that we don't like we don't go towards the end of wrong. <laughs> um, like, what can we do to make sure we're on the right side? And often, that's like without ever even checking in <laughs> with ourselves about what is it that we want. Like, regardless of whether it's right or wrong, what do we want? Like, and and what are we feeling? Regardless of whether it's right or wrong, like, what do we have going on inside of us? And let's be with that first before we try to fit ourselves into a certain box. Um, so it it's important to me because we miss so much in ourselves and in each other because we're we're trying to to fit into these these constricting binaries. And what's what's missed is often. Um, the most like beautiful and precious parts of ourselves that we're hiding away, and I think that those those beautiful and precious parts of ourselves are can be some of our like our superpowers or some of the like, gifts that we have to bring to the world. So it that's that's just one layer, <laughs> um, and I think the, these binaries are also used to. Uh, justify things, different things that we do to dehumanize each other or different things that we do that are violent towards one another, where we, uh, across the world, put people in cages when they do something that we don't like or that does harm and say it's because they did something wrong and we just accept it. Um, <laughs> and, and, but there's never any space because it's a binary and because we've accepted this as a norm, there's never any space to go, is this the best route of, of how we address not only this person's responsibility for what they did, but our sp- responsibility for creating the conditions and, um, and, and our responsibility to what has happened, whatever this person did. We don't we don't have any space because we've made it easy for ourselves to let ourselves off the hook and go, they did something wrong. So they get mm. to like pay for it. Um, so that's another layer as well. Yeah. And there's probably a lot more in there. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this uh, focus on trying to fit in with what other people think is good or right is kind of a recipe for inaction or paralysis in the end because you there's not you know it's they're going to be conflicting views so if you're constantly searching for what somebody else thinks is good good or right you might end up just having so many different perspectives that you don't know what to take whereas if you turn that view on inward then you have a sense of well what do i want and then you can take action on that thing yeah would you say that's the case absolutely and it also seems the binary way of thinking potentially stifles creative visioning, which I feel like is going to be necessary 
to create change on a personal or collective level because if you're only swapping between two options all the time, well, what if neither of those options is what you want? Mm-hmm. Where do you go from there? Exactly. Exactly. And we, and we need like creativity isn't binary. <laughs> like mm. creativity is like the opposite of, of a binary. It is, it's like this freedom. And in order to actually create something different in the world, to change the world, we, we have to get into our creativity, do some dreaming, do some imagining of what else is possible. And if we're we're coming into our creativity from a well, there's it's either this way or it's that way. <laughs> um, that that immediately like traps everything <laughs> that else that you could you could be thinking about or dreaming up or or creating and uh, like creating art with, and and that does like it, it stifles our ability to imagine other possibilities for what this world could look like going back to um to like prisons it <laughs> because we have this right wrong binary when people talk about the possibility of abolishing prisons it's comp- it's often immediately shut down um because it's like no i mean this is that would be wrong like what would we do with the people that did something wrong and with that, we don't get to actually just explore what what would it take? What what would what else could be possible um, around how we relate to someone or to, to to people that have done something that has done harm or that's against the uh, the code or the law that we have in place? We don't we don't get to to take some time to to think about that and dream about that. Sounds like what you're talking about is what I've heard you speak about before around dreaming being a necessary part of revolution. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned in your first answer figuring out what we want as individuals and checking in with ourselves. That is quite a difficult thing to do in a lot of cases because we might have been brought up or conditioned by society to devalue our own wants and desires and instead look to other external sources about how we should be being and doing. And in terms also of activating that creative force that's necessary for that to happen, sometimes that through, for example, the education system or other things has taken a back seat. What would you say to people who perhaps listening and going, well, that's great, but I don't know what I want. I know I don't like the way things are, but um, I'm not really sure what I want and more so I'm not sure what my gift is that I could bring through. How, what would you say to them about starting that process? Mm, um, oh, <laughs> so if, if you don't know what what it is that you want, like just first of all, like you're not abnormal, <laughs> like I think – a lot of the the group of people that want the world to be different, which is <laughs> almost all of us, um, we're very clear about what we don't want and have very little idea of what we do. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a norm. And I think there's, there's a lot of different ways to connect with what you want. Um, and I, and I think it's it's even just asking yourself that and maybe it's it's journaling and doing like a stream of consciousness where you just like write out whatever you have in mind, letting go of the right and wrong or like trying to make it perfect, but just letting your thoughts flow or talking with someone if, you, if you're more of a, a talker, um, but just like starting to brainstorm or doing a brain dump of like all the different things that you might want and not even like, let's not constrict it to what you want for the world. Let's, let's make it even wider into just what do you want in general? Like, what do you want right now in life, in uh, your relationships, in 
in your work, <laughs> um, in your communities. Like, I think that being able to to think up or or dream up what what's possible in the world and and what you want in the world or what you want the world to look like. There's like a base level work of connecting with just your desire in general, which many of us don't have a relationship with for a variety of reasons, whether it's um, we, we learned from a young age that it just like wasn't okay to uh, want with abandon, <laughs> um, that we had to be precise with what we what we wanted, or for for whatever reason, many of us, and including myself, <laughs> have a hard time with just stating this is what I want, and um, and so there's like building a relationship with your desire uh, because that that is some precious fuel. And, and guidance for you as we're as as you're going after making a difference in the world is like connecting with what is it that you want right now in in a certain relationship or in the world. So that's if if you're struggling with figuring out what you want in the world, like go back to just connecting with your desire. Period. Like just connecting with like what what do you like what what does your your body want right now if that's even easier to to answer more than uh just your your entire self but just focusing in on one part of yourself your body what does your body want right now or or what does your your heart want right now and and starting to just play with that and experiment and just ask yourself that constantly. I think there's a lot of people in the world. I've had a lot of conversations with folks where I asked them, "Well, what do you want to do?" <laughs> and they went, "I don't I don't think anybody's ever asked me that or like I don't think I've ever really considered like what I want." Like many of us just go along with what that we feel like we should do. Um, or whatever is the right thing to do. Uh, but I think that our desire, our, our wants that come purely from within us are these precious things. So um, connecting with that. And then I forgot the other part of your question. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've answered it. I've forgotten it as well. <laughs> um, I feel like, no, you've answered that um, beautifully. And Actually, listening to you speak about tapping into desires, I feel actually kind of emotional listening to that because it, I think it's so powerful and that in itself is a revolutionary act, even mm -hmm. if it's just asking your body, what do I want? And you realize I'm thirsty or I'm hungry and mm -hmm. it might seem like a basic thing, but if you're out of touch at that level, how can you be expected to get to the point of going oh well this is what I want everything to look like or this is what I want the world to look like so I think it's really a really important foundation and I'm glad that you shared that it speaks also to that what you touched on in in your first answer as well around the interconnection between the personal and the systemic and I've heard you say before you are the system and the revolution and I'd really love it if you could explain that a bit to the people who are listening and how you think that conceptualization, if you hold that to be true in yourself, would influence then the way you go about making change in, in your own life or the world. Yeah. So I could go on and on and I'm going to try to tailor what I'm, <laughs> what I'm <laughs> saying about this to, to make it the most useful to those of you that are listening. But um you are the system in the revolution. I, I I say that almost in in response to uh, the the what I was talking about earlier, where when we when there's something in the world that we don't like or we don't want anymore that we have a no for, uh, we we immediately go like let's change the system, and uh, and we think about the system or the culture that we want to change as this like this thing that's outside of us that's like 
uh, like it's almost like we relate to it as if it's like this this amorphous blob that like, <laughs> that is just out here that like we can't quite touch or like see, but like it's here. We know it's here because we're experiencing the effects of it. <laughs> but like it, there's there's this overwhelm that comes in because it's something that's intangible. It's something that we can't quite see. We can't quite like get our hands on. And so it feels like this huge, like, like (laughs) giant to conquer. And it's not, it's (laughs) the system is you and the revolution is you, whatever like shifts, changes and transformations that we need to, to, to make um, happen in, in our world comes through you, comes through the people that are within um, or navigating this these systems and, and these cultures. The culture resides in you. The, the system resides in you. So I, 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 I say this and I like anchor <laughs> um, myself in it and, and, and bring it up in a lot of different spaces that I'm in and on a lot of podcast interviews <laughs> because um, there's this responsibility in it uh, that I'm pointing to with that, that we miss where we may say um, white supremacy is not okay. We must dismantle it like and and ensure that it, it is not something that we pass on to future generations. Okay, great. Love that. Love it. You are the system in the revolution though, which means that if we are seeking to dismantle white supremacy, we absolutely must look at within ourselves where does white supremacy live or reside within me? within how I relate to myself and how I relate to people around me and no matter what their their race or ethnicity is. How does it show up in my work and how I work and what my work is? How does it show up in how I relate around food and where I get my food from and how I treat the people that that make my food or that uh, harvest my food. How how does it show up in all of these places? That's where we got to look. Each and every single one of us that are looking to dismantle white supremacy because that's where white supremacy lives. It's it's not within a building. <laughs> it doesn't exist uh, necessarily like in in the computer. <laughs> it, it exists as a result of our decisions or within our decisions. And then we build systems. Like we can talk about like social media algorithms. There's absolutely white supremacy embedded within it, but those decisions and and that algorithm was made by humans. (laughs) And so we got to look at what the humans are doing and where they're holding white supremacy because that's influencing what they're creating. So that... That's why I bring it up <laughs> um, often is to look at like what is my responsibility, what's what's my role, what's what's mine in general, what's my responsibility when when I go and say uh, uh, abolish prisons, uh, dismantle white supremacy, like end toxic masculinity, <laughs> or, or end patriarchy. Like when I say all of these things, how am I working on that within myself, within how I'm being and living, relating, creating? Where where is it here in my in my my body, in my soul, in my heart, in my mind? Absolutely. And I feel like that conceptualization is both challenging but also ultimately empowering because it does focus the lens back on things that 
you can do, even if it means uncovering the uncomfortable truths about the way you are and the privileges that you hold and the way your decisions and actions impact. But that take having that responsibility and taking that responsibility, I feel like is ultimately an empowering way of looking at it. And also it's impossible to create change, I feel, without doing that self-reflection, self-analysis and understanding the way you fit in things. And in terms of what supremacy, I was like a white woman, I could be completely blind to that privilege, but that's still informing how I act and it's going to impact on me and the rest of the world. So if I don't unpack that, then what I'm doing is just driven by an unconscious system that I'm actually part of and that's inside me. So I feel like it's it's deeply important for people to do that, but it also requires them and all of us to to step up and be uncomfortable in creating change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and take responsibility for our part in the state of the world. Like it, the 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 world as it is right now is not separate from the decisions that we make every day. And so it requires us to really contend with the fact that we do have influence. We are not uh, directly, <laughs> um, directly. Um, I don't want to say responsible, but like we're not a superhuman that can like control what's happening in the world because everything is collective, right? Like everything is is made up of the the collective decisions and actions that we're making and of course there are people that are in certain positions of authority that have power to influence things in certain ways and so do we and so we really have to contend with like i i do have influence in the world i am like there there is no time in which you are not making an impact or making a difference at, at every single point in your life you are because you are existing <laughs> and you're living and you're breathing. So you are having an impact on the world around you, no matter if you're trying to or not. <laughs> um, and looking at how am I impacting the world? And is that what I want? Yeah. You can't opt out of impacting the world, even if you think you are. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's, it would be beneficial then to understand that more so you can be more intentional about it. I feel like there's often a sense of overwhelm. I know at the moment as we're having this conversation, um, the American election count is ongoing and that's just one example of, of many things. That when people feel this sense of overwhelm or, or, or they're just feeling a lot, what would you say to them in how to manage that or process that or be with that so that it doesn't I guess, become completely overwhelming or end up feeling with a sense of not being able to, to do anything? Mm. Yeah. Um, I actually just made a, a, published a YouTube video about this. Um, so <laughs> that's definitely <laughs> one place to look. Um, but I'm going to give you a different answer than what I put in there so you can check that out. Um, it's called how to, how to Process Fear and Overwhelm About the State of the World. Um, right now what I have around that is that, um, like overwhelm is different from fear or, or worry or, um, being upset, having, uh, being angry or having grief or, um, like having feelings Overwhelm is more of like a state than it is a feeling. And uh, and at the same time, <laughs> overwhelm is often a decision that we make that has the, a consequence of allowing us to get out of being responsible <laughs> for whatever is going on for us, whether it's feelings that we have that we like, we don't like that feel like they're not okay or they're wrong um, or being responsible for like whatever it is that we're doing. Um, But it, again, 
like overwhelm serves many purposes. One being it, it allows us to like to to keep things as they are, um, because we we often when we're overwhelmed we we stop taking action, um, and so I think one question that I often have for myself for sure, and for others when they talk about being overwhelmed is what are you avoiding? <laughs> um, which like, I don't, I don't, I don't hold punches. Um, like what, are, what are you <laughs> avoiding or how is this overwhelm serving you? And that's a real question. Like how, how is this overwhelm benefiting you? Um, what, what is it doing for you? I think that many of us find comfort in overwhelm, ironically, because it feels uncomfortable, <laughs> but we find a comfort in it because we know, we know how to be overwhelmed. But if the task in front of us is, let's say, to change the world, we may not know immediately how to do that. That's something that you have to answer moment to moment and and dive into with a lot of um, a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of like introspection. Um, there's a lot of relating involved, and many of us don't want to do that. <laughs> so we'd rather be overwhelmed. And I'm not saying that this is like a conscious process, but I think when something feels so big, um, we we go into overwhelm because we we aren't willing to dive into the deep unknown <laughs> of what could could happen or what could be or not knowing the right answers right away because that's uncomfortable for us and 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 scary and like very legitimately like on on a human being level we are wired to keep ourselves safe and so when there is something in front of us that seems like it's unsafe, especially something that's the unknown. Our brain <laughs> and our and our nervous system goes, mm, nope, we're not going to do that. Um, we're going to go be anxious, get overwhelmed, and like just generally do anything that we can to not go there. <laughs> um, and and so that's like it's very real and and valid human response. Um, but that's something to really pay attention to because oh the, the another question is like what is what what do you gain and what is the cost of your overwhelm? What what's what's the cost of it? Um and and really being with that and then coming back to what do you want? What do you want? And and what what I talked about in that video, the YouTube video, um, was that oftentimes too, overwhelm is a cover up for feelings. <laughs> it's a cover up for like I'm just I'm scared, or I I have grief going on, or I'm angry. It's a it's often a cover up for. Like I have something going on with me and I'm not okay with totally feeling it. So um, I'm, I'm going to like avoid it with overwhelm. <laughs> um, and, and so the thing that, uh, that, that we, we lose is the information from those feelings and, and even the energy that we, that we get that is trying to move through us through those feelings we lose that because we're we're stuck in the cloudy space <laughs> where we like or or the the tight and constricted space of overwhelm i'll link to that video um below under the show notes as well i feel like that leads into then the question of how can people 
feel that they are supported in in this journey of creating personal and collective change if that's what they want and I know in my own experience it's been difficult sometimes to find a course or um, a school that provides a, a ground to foster this kind of thing because often what will happen is those options are just operating within the same paradigms that they're trying to address and it doesn't really feel to me that there's a fundamental difference in the way that um, this information is being taught in those courses or schools, etc. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about whole self-liberation and what that is and what that offers to people. Yeah. Yeah. So with the first piece about like just support in general around uh, doing this work, I my my first thought is always community, uh, so that well for so many reasons, um, we we can get swept up in our own internal narratives about who we are, what we need to be doing, and everything, and just being in community with people who see you <laughs> and know you uh, can uh, allow you to to get to know yourself better because they can reflect you back to you. <laughs> um, and so, so that's just one piece, but I think also like knowing that you're not alone in, in these efforts that you're not alone in your process. Um, I, I have found in my work that, um, Many of us like feel like the the processes that we go through as we're unpacking or uprooting different ways of being, different cultures, uh, and and forms of oppression that are within us, uh, that that they feel like they're like abnormal or weird or like aliens. <laughs> um, but the the process is so similar <laughs> with with that kind of work it's it's so similar across the board and it's something that um that i think many of us go through as we are figuring out and and looking at okay who am i and and how did i get to be who i am <laughs> like what what influenced and and who influenced the the me that I know myself to be, and that that work, and then going well, who do I want to be? <laughs> um, all of that work is like you're like uprooting your identity, like who who you are, <laughs> um, like who who you like know yourself to be, and it's messy. Like the work of changing the world and the work of like understanding your own part in changing the world is messy, uh, uncomfortable, <laughs> um, like heart wrenching, heart breaking. Sometimes, um, it can be full of, of grief, but it can also be full of relief. It can be full of, of joy and freedom and, you know, all in all, it's a mess. So <laughs> having community, having other people that are in that process with you, um, or at the very least that you can see maybe yourself in their own process is is so, so valuable and so supportive in my experience. Um and and soothing because I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not weird, <laughs> um, or or even like it's soothing to the part of me that like still wants to hold on to the right wrong binary. And I know like by seeing that other people are are also going through something similar or are experiencing and 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 learning things um, around the same. Uh, topics or ideas that I am, I, I get to know like, okay, I'm not wrong. I'm not bad. Like I am, <laughs> I'm, I'm just doing this. I'm, I'm living my life and I'm on this journey of um, engaging with my responsibility to myself and to humanity and to the world. Um, so all of that to say, that's part of the reason that I created Whole Self Liberation, which is an online school 
to uh, support folks in uh, liberatory living. So going through this process of understanding your position, your place in in the world and um, who you are, what you have to offer um, and, and give and serve with um, in the world and and aligning who you're being and what you're doing to your vision for the world, your your dreams for the world. Like we created this this space um, in the school where you can dive into getting support around answering these questions and all of these different facets of our lives that we may even feel like aren't connected to systems of oppression or um, different like politics or, or different things that we're wanting to change in the world. Um, but they are because <laughs> everything's connected. And uh, it's, a, it's a space where you get to connect with other people that are on similar journeys as you and, um, and also connect with uh, teachers that have dedicated their um, their days, their their lives to this work, to supporting other people um, in their respective uh, like worlds. Whether it's um, there's one class we're offering around parenting, there's one that's around skincare and beauty, there's one that's around like using your voice and human design, um, and there's so many more. But uh, they've they're dedicated and committed to living out their own liberatory praxis and um, and to supporting others around their um, their areas of expertise. So um, that's whole self-liberation. <laughs> um, and it's it's um, a bit experimental because <laughs> um, there's nothing like this in the world right now, um, the way that we have set it up and, and everything, but I'm excited about the possibilities that it may bring where we get to have students from all around the world. Um, people that are also committed to, or at the very least just invested in making a difference in the world. Um, get to bring all these beautiful people together and, uh, and create something beautiful. So and if people are interested in finding out more about whole self liberation or your work in general, where, where can they go to do that? Yeah, so uh, the best way is wholeselfliberation.com. Um, and you can also follow us on uh, Instagram at whole self liberation. Uh, but yeah, the best way to learn more about the school is through our website. Thank you. If you could describe what living outside the lines feels like to you in just a few words or a short sentence, what would you say? How does that feel? Hmm. My first thought is freedom. Uh, it's actually, I have a story. Is it okay if I tell it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, um, when I was was little, probably like, five, six, seven years old in school, I got in trouble a lot with my teachers. It was a messed up situation. Um, I just like every single time I like would like outwardly express myself. Um, not every single time, that's an exaggeration, but I would just get in trouble constantly for how I was expressing myself. And there was this one time where I uh, we were coloring like an apple or something or a bird. <laughs> and I was coloring outside the lines um, and got in trouble for it. And like the teacher like took my my coloring sheet and gave me a new one and told me to start over. And that <laughs> like that story is so um like ingrained in my in my brain and and that and so many other like moments <laughs> in my childhood like informed this desire to like like I have to be inside the lines. I have to like be perfect or do things perfect the first time or else there are consequences. And so when I think about like life outside the lines, um, 
I think about little Andrea in that story <laughs> where like <laughs> I was doing that. <laughs> I was doing yeah. that and, and my teachers didn't like it. And okay. But I think there is this freedom that I have now thinking about life outside the lines where I I recognize like I I can be me and people may not like it <laughs> or people may have different ideas about what and who I should be. And that's fine. They can have that but I'll still be me. <laughs> Even if I try to hide me, I'll, I'll still be me. Um, so I, I think there there is this freedom when I think about life outside the lines. Um, and I think about the story. <laughs> so. Is there anything else before we go that you, you'd like to share? Um, I think just, just rooting in the idea that you have power, that you have influence, uh, that like as we've been talking about changing the world, it often feels like these issues are so big. And and they are because there's um, a little less than 8 billion people <laughs> on the planet and, and we are all like all of our energies are coming together to <laughs> um, to make this world that we have right now. And okay, you are small, absolutely, but you are not insignificant. In fact, you are you are necessary. Um, you are a necessary piece of this huge puzzle that like without you and what you have to bring, the puzzle is not complete. So um, I think just rooting in the the power and influence that you do have, um, and, and creating the life and world that you want from there. Thank you. Thanks so much for being on. I feel like this conversation has changed me and mm-hmm. I really appreciate you being here and I'm sure our listeners will also benefit a lot. So thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. If you love this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Curious to learn more about creating your own life outside the lines? Get your free guide at the link in the show notes below. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep living outside the lines.